At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grit Daily Podcast. I am your guest host and a whole award CEO of CircleClick, best known as the mother of startups, which I was dubbed by CNN in 2017. I am here with two uh, awesome ladies that I will let introduce themselves. Hey guys, I'm Sarah McKenna. I'm the CEO and co-founder of DeCoco. So we created Alien Worlds, which is the largest blockchain game in the world by users and transactions. It's also one of the largest dApps. Uh, we have a on-chain construction, really open architecture, and a community that's really enjoying building into that. Really nice meeting you. Hey, everyone. My name is Clenthia. I'm the co-founder at Masa. At Masa Protocol, what we do is that we provide the Sobong identity infrastructure for any developers and community builders to acquire, retain, and engage user in the Web3 world. Super excited to be here today. Thank you so much. Uh, so my first question will be an easy one. What brings both of you here to consensus? I'm enjoying talking to, you know, all the amazing builders, um, lots of colleagues, old friends and new faces, um, really about this point of inflection, I think, that we're at in the blockchain space where um, I think everyone is recognizing the importance of utility, um, utility in all of the projects that we're building and um, and then having to resolve some of the sort of hard problems that come along with that, like identity is one, I would say onboarding is another, um, you know, the, the technology is still at a stage where it can be a little bit hard for users to use. And yet millions of users are being onboarded into the space through, for example, um, blockchain gaming. You know, my product is Alien Worlds, we're the, the largest game and we've onboarded millions of people into the space. Um, and they're doing that in a way, despite some of the technical challenges, you know, it is it's still harder to play a blockchain game, for example, than to play a Web 2 game. But it's so rewarding for people because they're co-owners of what they're building. They feel really invested. They're able to meet other people who share their interests and collectively to build something together. And they see the real fruits of that in, in the world and, and in their worlds. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of like the theme that I'm seeing emerge from the conversations that I'm having is utility. And at the same time, you know, how we're all aspiring to keep solving some of the technical challenges, I guess, that can make it a little bit harder for users to engage in the technology, um, but also still gratified that so many are making it through those, those challenges. Yeah. I'm mostly here for tacos <laughs> and the heat. Nice. Um, Beside that, 100% agree with what you're saying. I think through the last couple of years, a true Web3 economy has really emerged, right? It's not only just trading the tokens and currencies for financial incentives. Of course, that's still a huge part of the market, 
But beyond that, there is a multi-dimensional Web3 economy that is encompassing GameFi, NFT, uh, collectibles, luck-based, like entertainment, social, et cetera, et cetera. And at the core of it is the infrastructure part, what we're building here at Masa when it comes to partnering so long identity, security, and other issues. So I'm here to really experience a multi-dimensional emergence of Web3 economy. Wow, that's so much stuff. Um, <laughs> I actually took my own turn at the wheel with uh, trying to solve identity using NFTs. Uh, in 2017, was the first woman to complete an STO under ERC-884. And I found it just was such a huge problem. So I'm, I'm obviously very curious, how are you approaching it? Are you using biometrics? Like what, what is it that you guys are, are are solving. Yeah, identity is such a broad concept. So I feel obliged to first define what we're talking about here, identity, right? Because um, when talking about identity, some people's mind jump directly into KYC. But if we're actually building a Web3 economy on chain, it is a lot more dynamic and multidimensional than just doing your government ID verification. It is truly building a collective of reputation, credentials, affiliations, on-chain. And we chose Sobon Tokens, which is a non-transferable NFT as a technical approach in solving that. Uh, Masa, my project, was the first Sobon Token protocol that launched in August last year. And so far, we have a million Sobon Tokens being minted, representing users' credentials, reputations, behaviors from different kinds of angles. I see this as a future of identity that is a lot more dynamic, multidimensional, instead of just thinking about KYC or making sure that you're not on the sanction list. It's also more decentralized because 100%. Yeah, you can you can have different communities that are able, for example, to to distribute those non-transferable NFTs or soulbound tokens. You can have DAOs being able to do yeah. that, for example. Um, you know, you really then, I mean, that's, I like Animoca Brand's definition of the metaverse, which is an interconnected series of platforms. Um, and and it, there's this thing in our industry right now where different components are still being provided by different different service providers, different entities, right? So you've got your wallet that yeah. you then interact with your DAP with. You may be part of a DAO as part of that DAP. You may then have, you know, various types of ramps involved. And in a, in a sense, what you're talking about is identity as another component of that yeah. system that doesn't necessarily have to be provided by any one mm. outfit, but the, the technology is there. And I think that's a very native to blockchain oh, way yeah. of thinking about it. 100%. And it can manifest in so many different formats. Let's take GameFi as an example, right? In game, the identity can be your handle, your domain name, can be the global identifier for the piece of land you own in the game, can be your achievement, can be your um, guild or quest completion badge. Anything is an on-chain identifier. And collectively, that paints a picture of who you are as a user as you build your identity on-chain. Mm -hmm. We think a lot about that in Alien Worlds because we've got all these users and we want to be able to understand more about who they are based on what they've done within the system and then to use those types of attributes to point them in the direction of experiences that they might prefer or allow. I mean, our community is very interested in understanding who the different participants are because then they target certain collections of players to, for example, join one of their DAOs. They'll try and recruit people from, you know, who've exhibited certain types of preferences or behaviors in the past. Um, 
It's it's really an interesting one because at the end of the day, because the accounts are still accounts, mm. it is still possible essentially to game that, you know. Um, I'm constantly impressed by the, the lengths to which, and also the time. I mean, I always think that time is such a nice variable when you're trying to show identity because you sort of think, well, only real legitimate users who have a sort of intrinsic reason for being part of this this space or the community that they're in would over, for example, two years consistently do certain types of things. Um, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if if there might be ways of that being replicated, mm. you know, by people who aren't there for those reasons, but it's certainly a, a worthwhile thing to, to be trying to solve. It's yeah, like, that's the reason why we actually put all of our eggs in one basket that is Silicon Token, right? Because by the nature, it is non-transferable. You cannot transfer from one wallet to the other. That is a significant improvement when it comes to any sort of other badges or NFT being mm-hmm. transferable and tradable in the market. Yeah. That removes gamification element from it. And that brings authenticity to bringing someone's true identity on chain and build it. I really love the aspect of time you brought to the conversation today because in my opinion, identity is truly a cumulative process. It's not about verifying your credential at the beginning. Of course, that's part of it, how you get onboarded, but also over time, how you contribute to this community, how you're being part of it, what kind of contribution, how you relate to others in this community. All of that takes time to manifest. Mm -hmm. That's reputation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that begs the question, uh, everybody today at this daily house has been talking about AI. Mm -hmm. Are there aspects involving AI that involve either of your companies? And if if not, why? Oh, for sure. So we use AI and, uh, you know, algorithmic solutions to, for, for this precise area to understand who users are, why they're there. Um, we can kind of serve up different types of experiences to them that benefit the system as a whole over time, right? So you don't want certain types of users being able to to gain a dominant position in the system. So it's very good for balancing of the system to be able to understand who they are. And that's all AI. That's all machine learning and, and, and being able I mean, there's a huge like one of the one of the features of blockchain applications is the amount of data that they generate, you know. So, I mean, we have 13 million transactions or 13 million plays per day on an average day um, being done by quarter of a million accounts, a quarter of a million users. And that generates and most of our gaming logic is running on a blockchain. So we're, we're constructed on three chains, Wax, BSC and Ethereum. And. We were the first DAP at scale to have this multi-chain construction um, precisely so that we could actually put game logic on chain. So what I mean by that is like when you play a certain part of our game, you could then go onto a block explorer and see that play action, right? It, it exists separate from our user interface or, you know, the particular like game that you would have played it within. It's actually on a block explorer and it really happened on chain. Um, but what that means is that a huge amount of data gets generated and it is public data. So we're actually interestingly, interestingly not the only people crunching the data um, because as I mentioned, our community is really interested in those data patterns too. So for example, really early on in Alien Worlds, um, certain parts of the community began to do their own NFT drops and they were using AI to um, read absolutely like massive data sets 
um, and then extrapolate from that what they wanted, the, the types of users that they wanted to send a certain type of NFT to. And they were doing these very large scale NFT drops in order, as I mentioned, to sort of recruit people into their DAOs or on, into their land collectives and so on. So that's, a, yeah, a, we're, we're using AI, but interestingly, so is our community. And this is the type of thing where they, they didn't even like ask us, you know, that this is totally permissionless. They can just go and do this because it's running on a public permissionless chain. I think that that's such an interesting story when we're talking about scaling. You know, obviously AI is one of the ways that we can scale, but so too is um, a decentralized construction that allows anyone to be part of things without having to sort of go and sign a contract or arrange a commercial, um, a commercial relationship. So. That's so interesting. I learned so much from all the AI use cases you have in your community. <laughs> um, we are still in the early stages of incorporating AI into our product. Uh, when we think about Sovan identity, at the core of it, if you dig two layers deeper, it's really a data oracle of a group of identifiers that we have from the five or uh, one out of two blockchains that we have. So we're trying to, like you, use AI to help us better understand and navigate this massive network of data mm. and make good use of it. But I think there are so many, there are going to be so many interesting applications from this point on. Mm -hmm. We've also had people begin to think through things like, could, could an AI player be considered a legitimate player and even then well, advance. Yeah. Was, are you concerned about deep fakes in the world of gaming, especially if you're already anonymous and you're facing your name? What's, yeah. to, what's to make the content of what that player does yeah. not fake as well? And do we care? Yeah, no. that's the question really is like, I mean, our, our baseline approach is that we don't set those rules, but users when engaging in various parts of the game decide that for themselves. So for example, the users who are like the, the players who are members of a certain DAO, it's really up to that DAO, which is its own autonomous community, to set those types of cultural standards is really what it amounts to. It, it amounts to different parts of our metaverse, of our game system, being able to define their own sets of values which is essentially a culture being built up, built up over time. Um, we, we have one planet, which, so each of our planets in Alien Worlds is a DAO. We've had one planet that is, is explicitly kind of acknowledging that an AI could eventually become, for example, a governor, like a custodian on this DAO. So each, each of these planets has five custodians every week and they get elected per week. This is kind of like the highest level of responsibility and, and kind of like status within the game. And so one of the planets has actually, from what I understand, been sort of mooting the idea and they seem positive towards it, that an AI could, could, could kind of rise through those ranks as long as it was engaging. And as long as, frankly, other people voted for it, like that's the, um, whereas I'm sure some of the other planets will decide against it. So that's so interesting though. I, I have to admit my exposure to DAOs has not been positive. Yeah. I've seen fraud. I've seen a lot of just things just sputter out, you know, power plays and things. Um, so I'm curious what led you to explore that model. I mean, you're, you're like so Web3. You're, you're yeah. every, every aspect of what you're doing is actually truly Web3, whereas a lot of, you know, NFT marketplaces who are nameless, actually not. You know, yeah. a lot of people say it, but then they're not towing that line. Yeah. Um, it's true about DAOs. Um, 
I mean, I guess one of the things that I always think around everything to do with the blockchain space is it's early days. And so we shouldn't kind of necessarily ascribe to the mechanisms that we're building, like the results that have so far happened. But yeah, so, and, and we're, <clears throat> we've been building DAOs and actually working within DAOs for years now. In fact, when I first started in this industry, I got paid my like salary directly in crypto from a DAO. <laughs> um, that's very impressive. That's eating your own dog food, right? Yes. So, um, and we, so over the years, we've kind of learned what works and what doesn't. Um, although, as I mentioned, the planets, these DAOs are, and eventually will be more and more autonomous and would be able to tweak these parameters. But the one, the parameters that we've discovered over time work are, for example, regular elections as opposed to, and, and, the, and also delegated democracy as opposed to direct democracy. So, because, so what you're describing is these like many DAOs which have had too few voters. Um, you can get two things really with a DAO. You can get either too few voters and you get these sometimes quite large treasuries being managed by a tiny minority of people and then they can kind of pay themselves or nothing really much happens. The other issue can be sort of too many voters in the, or, or too concentrated voters. So the whales just having total dominance. And then again, you kind of end up with with a system that doesn't end up fulfilling what it set out to do. So what you really are trying to achieve is both whales, but also non-whales being able to actually impact the voting of the system. So we've discovered that like, we have these weekly elections precisely for that reason. We have delegated democracy, so custodians or governors. Um, we also don't, the, the, each, each week, each week's governors are not, do, do not have the full treasury available to them. They only have a pr proportion of the treasury so that they can kind of, in any given week, the DAO could kind of go off the rails, but the next week it starts again. Um, and also some some finer points around how the stake weighted voting happens. We've sort of tweaked this over time so that it we think that it best both secures but also sort of incentivizes the DAO participants. Does each DAO get to set their own rules? <laughs> yeah, so um, to, to, a, to a greater and lesser extent and over time, um, they will be essentially they're on a pathway to full autonomy. They're not fully autonomous right now. Mm -hmm. Full autonomy would mean that they were able to update their own code. Right. Um, which is kind of like far the end of the, but we, yes, eventually they will be. It's really cool. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I have to check this out. Um, so switching gears for just a second, I would love to get both of your, you know, pie in the sky predictions. I think, you know, as a tech pundit, I usually do yearly what's happening next year, what's happening next month. But I think it's kind of fun to look at you know, a decade in advance. Mm. So what would be, you know, your prediction or even just your hope for where Web3 is heading in 10 years, aside from, you know, mass adoption? Um, but I would love to hear from you um, what your vision is. Yeah, I think we're both probably very on-chain maxi kind of people and Web3 native. <laughs> um, taking a step back, I think I would imagine in 10 years we'll have a wallet native generation. That's my hope. Just like how millennials grew up with Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, etc. I think the Gen Alpha and the future will grow up with native, playing your games, using our identity, being able to navigate a truly on-chain world in a truly global and decentralized scale. 
that that would be my vision of Walla native generation. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think like underpinning, I guess, what that vision is, is, is the unstoppable nature of decentralized systems, right? So that's why they're so powerful. It's like nobody can turn off the Bitcoin network. Nobody can turn off several of these, you know, really decentralized systems. And that's why they're powerful, because they're censorship resistant. They have... Um, they have like the capacity to renew themselves um, because the, the participants in the system are sort of, sort of constantly being able to develop it. Um, so really that's, I think, at the core of what I am seeing around Web3 is the unstoppable nature of it and that it, as long as we do continue to build decentralized systems, um, I think that that's just incredibly powerful and that's where the value comes in. So I guess my vision is for um, a user-centric um, Web3, um, which is in contradistinction to platform or company-centric Web2 environments, right, where the platform owners have all the power and can extract all the economic rent. I'm seeing a, a future in which decentralized systems allow more people to take an entrepreneurial stake, to be creative, to earn a living, to um, be able to impact their communities through all the types of dApps that we're building. I mean, gaming is kind of one of the first um, types of decentralized applications that's gained scale. But, you know, going forward, that will extend to education, to governance, to governments. Um, and of course, the, you know, the financial system as a whole through, you know, the, the currencies that, that are able to provide people optionality around how they store and transmit value. Absolutely. I think both great visions. I think mine personally would be obviously to be able to own my own internet persona, mm -hmm. to actually have control over my own privacy, my digital privacy. I've lived a lot of my life on the internet and, you know, it would be nice to be able to monetize that in a more meaningful way than, you know, selling things, yeah. uh, which is what a lot of creators have to do in order to make it work. Um, and I think it's a thing that's been a thing uh, since VR started, AR, all these content creators, especially, you know, even in the gaming world, I've found in my time in that industry that a lot of them have, you know, a spouse that supports them or, you know, do either of you have any advice or ideas or any, any sort of direction for people who are content creators in Web3, how do they monetize? Because this is the great promise, right? Is that we all can own our information. Um, I mean, I'm not asking you to solve this problem. It's been going for a long time, but I'm curious what you would say to a content creator in, in the gaming industry, identity industry, a future you, if you will. Mm -hmm. So my top thing would be um, to, to be, become part of a community. That's one of the really powerful aspects of these Web3 environments is <clears throat> that communities kind of self-organize and um, like-minded individuals who are trying to pursue a common purpose tend to come together. Um, and then you're able, firstly, to find a market for what you're doing. You can, you know, multiply the effect of all of your efforts. I think it's very difficult to be like totally on your own um, trying to produce content or um or to sell any type of business proposition. But once you're part of a community and you can kind of test, battle test your proposition in a smaller way within that community, and then that can kind of scale outward. So yeah, I think the value of finding like-minded people, um, your tribe, who then become your kind of strongest critics, but also like your first test bed um, and the point from which you can scale. I mean, honestly, that was true for us. Um, we had a pre-existing strong community 
from before Alien Worlds, and um, they were our early adopters, and they have since become their own value centers within the metaverse, doing specific things, and, and we couldn't have grown without that. So yeah, I think that's really the thing, is becoming networked. Yeah, I think community is really the key word here. At Masa, we have around 200 ambassadors across 10 different countries. We recently reopened our ambassador program. Within 10 days, we got over a thousand applications from all over the world. Um, we're designing very intricate uh, monthly quests for ambassadors to be able to complete. A lot of it is about content creation and content amplification, etc. And then we designed a tier-based program whereby, based on how many quests you complete, you can achieve different kind of awards marked by Sobankoken provided by us. A lot of founders and community builders have reached out to me wanting to learn how they can build the same community program. That's actually what we're trying to productize here at Masa as well, using Sobankoken as a core identifier to help gamify community engagement. So my advice for a content creator to your question is um, be part of community, but also take a portfolio view in taking part in many communities, mm -hmm. see which one you gravitate towards, which one you find alignment for. You don't need to only have one job. You can have 10, 20, mm -hmm. 30 different jobs and allocate your resources and time accordingly. Absolutely. So we're almost at time here. So how would a listener find either of you on the internet? Mm -hmm. So our Twitter is at Alien Worlds. Um, we're posting there all the time. Come there and then from, from there, play the game at play.alienworlds.io. Um, our Discord is extremely active. And from Discord, you can find your own community. Plenty of our community groups run their own channels. Um, but from our Discord, you can tend to sort of ask around and find that. So play.alienworlds.io and then the Discord that's, that's linked from there. Yeah, and you can find us on Twitter at, at uh, Masa, get Masa Fi, and then our website is masa.finance. We also have a very active Discord, uh, Telegram, and Twitter community. Awesome. Well, sounds like you two should talk. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Grid Daily Podcast from Consensus 2023. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Head into your local Safeway for great spring savings throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get yellow peaches or nectarines for the member price of $1.88 per pound. Also this week at Safeway, value packs of Signature Farms chicken drumsticks, thighs, leg quarters, or picnic packs are buy one, get one free. Plus, get value packs of USDA choice boneless beef top sirloin steak for the member price of $4.99 per pound. Visit Safeway.com, download the Safeway for you app, or head in store to find more great deals at Safeway.